Verse 21, and God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every wing fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And then over in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Uh, I looked up to what is the actual definition of, of create or created? To bring into existence from nothing. We talk about that I created this thing generally. We did not create anything. The materials were already there. Whether you created the first fan or the first automobile, uh, all that stuff, the material was already there. Nobody created a horse. Nobody created a lamb. Nobody created a whale. Nobody created a flower. They, they've crossbred flowers so they could come up with a different kind of flower or one that arose that has a stronger smell to it or whatever. But they, we never created anything. And everything that God created has life in it so that it will continue on. Whereas if we make something, there's a limitation to it. But God created. Then we look at the word God said. Verse, uh, verse chapter 1 and verse 3. And God said, let there be light. He just spoke the worlds and everything that we're going to look at tonight, he spoke it into distance, uh, <laughs> into distance, in, into existence. So some of it, when it says God created, we're going to see a couple of ways that he, he created. But generally, it's just he just spoke the word and it came about. I mean, he didn't have to sit there and say, OK, how do I how do I get a son and how do I place it? near the earth so it's not too close and not too far away because I'm going to create the sun and, the, and then the earth and everything. And everything's going to... He didn't do that. That was already the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding that he had. To be able to grasp that, I can't. I just can't. The wisdom of God is beyond my comprehension. But, and God said, let there be light. Look at over verse 6. And God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters and, it, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear also. And it was so. Uh, verse, uh, there's, excuse me, there's a fly up here. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb uh, yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. Uh, verse, we did verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let the uh, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth uh, uh, in the open firmament of heaven. That was verse 20. Verse uh, 24. And God said... Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle, creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. Verse 26, and God said, 
Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in in the which is fruit of the tree yield, uh, yieldeth seed, to you it shall be for meat. God spoke it into existence. All, God said. Uh, it just, uh, to me, it is just amazingly co- uncomprehendable. What's even more frustrating, and, and even though I, I graduated from high school in 1966, and I remember biology class and science and all that, uh, even though I was going to church, uh, denominational church, and, and they had, we had Bible stories and we read stuff out of Genesis and everything, it was very easy for me to go along with that, okay, maybe God said it, but then, uh, then everything began to come together on itself. That he kind of spoke into existence and, and then everything, uh, uh, then man kind of helped it along. Uh, for whatever reason, it was very easy for me to... to discount the part where it said that and God created man and we'll get to there in just a minute and yet I swallowed hook line and sinker the the whole thing about well the God created all this but then there was this little this little amoeba and it kept it kept getting bigger and bigger and then one day it it managed to crawl up on land and and then after a long period of time that it 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 got legs and it got arms and then eventually it turned into a monkey and wow here we are it, because I grew up in a home that did not read the Bible because I grew up in a home, we just went to church on Sunday morning, and there was no real emphasis on who God was and what he did, other than on John 3.16, other than the uh, death, burial, and resurrection, which was all needful. I missed a lot of this very beginning to think about what God did in the very beginning. Then we look at the, we're going to look at the word God blessed. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 22. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters uh, in the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. He not only created it, he not only spoke it into existence, then he added his blessing to it. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Uh, it, it never really dawned on me until... Uh, uh, the other day when I was going through this, uh, Lord kind of placed this on my heart uh, a couple of months ago when I knew that we were going to be coming here. Uh, wh- what am I going to do on, on Sunday night? Do I have a series? Yes, I've got a series, a short series on Sunday night uh, that I never thought about. God, God not only created, he, he speaks it into existence, but he blessed it. You would have thought that it would already have started out that way. But it was like, okay, uh, all this is going on, and I'm going to shortly here say, and it is very good, but he blessed what he created. That to me is just a little mind-boggling. When we say our blessings upon you or God bless you, usually after a sneeze, and that, that's, just, that's just foolishness anyway. 
to think about God blessing his creation as if it wasn't going to continue to do well after what he made, which started, everything started out perfect. And yet he still took time to bless it. We may, we may take time to uh, uh, look at uh, blessing here in the, sometime in the next couple of weeks. Uh, when it says that God blessed it, it basically is saying, be fruitful, plenteous, prolific, and abundant. I was talking to well, Mrs. Breyer and I, or the Breyers and I were talking, and she asked me, she says, well, uh, how many grandchildren do you have? Which sometimes when people ask you that, I always ask the question if they don't say, oh, we have X amount of great-grandchildren. And they've got more great-grandchildren than what we do have grandchildren. And how many times have I heard somebody recount and say, well, God has blessed us with this number of kids, or God has blessed us with uh, this many uh, grandkids, that we, we just kind of take that for granted, that God has been so good to us that he's multiplied our family. He, he has blessed us with, and that's what God is doing. Be uh, plenteous and prolific and abundant. I, I kind of poked the kids. I said, Mom and I set the standard with five. Somebody's not keeping up on their part of the responsibility. Because if that's the case, we should have 25 grandchildren. But uh, a couple of our children have difficulties in that area. Enough of that. Anyway, and then we see the last thing God saw. After he has created everything, after he speaks into existence, after he blesses it, Genesis chapter 1, verse 4, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Verse 10, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. Verse 18, and to rule over, talking about uh, the sun, moon, and stars and everything of the heaven, and to rule over the day and over the night to divide the light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. Verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth which uh, the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse 25. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse, uh, verse 31. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. I'm not going to go into uh, any more detail on this. What I would like to do is have, uh, have the, have the uh, video turned on. Uh, are the, is the light switch over here? So this is uh, put out by people that are, are connected with the uh, creation. Uh, one of the, that wasn't it. Uh, part of the part of the creation thing. I, I found it fascinating. Uh, had seen, uh, seen this at, a, uh, at another church. Liked it so well, I bought it to be able to watch with our children and, or our grandkids. 
And uh, hopefully you'll learn something that it's not just somewhat of an entertaining thing and a break from regular preaching or whatever, but uh, that you will learn something as they talk. Just We're just going to look at the aspects of how God created birds and butterflies. Birds are among the most captivating creatures on Earth. We marvel at their spectacular colors, their streamlined shapes, and their ability to fly with grace and ease. For centuries, man attempted to imitate the flight of a bird. It was only in the 20th century that he succeeded in controlled flight. To this day, in order to improve the aerodynamics of the plane, Man will return to study God's marvelous avian design. Consider some of the Creator's design features. A bird's bones are lightweight and virtually hollow. They're supported inside by struts and honeycombed with air sacs. These lightweight bones are designed so efficiently for flight that the bird's feathers usually weigh more than its entire skeleton. Even its beak is designed to save weight made of lightweight horn rather than heavy bone. Birds also have two strong sets of breast muscles, a large set to control the wing's downstrokes and a smaller set to control the upstrokes. And only birds have been created with feathers. Feathers insulate the bird from the sun's heat, protect it from the cold, waterproof the body, and create wing and tail surfaces necessary for flight. Each feather is connected to a nerve and controlled by a muscle. This precision muscular control helps the bird balance in the air, steer and brake when slowing down to land. Birds, they're just truly spectacularly amazing. Uh, they're well known, of course, for the feather, which is a masterpiece of strength and lightness combined in one thing. They have a little system of barbs, barbules, kind of like hooks and eyelets and Velcro that can zipper together uh, the little feathers that stick out from the main shaft. And they can take their bill and zipper them and unzipper them as they oil their feathers. And each feather along the length of the wing uh, has a slightly different size and shape that's coordinated with all of the others. There's no way <laughs> at all <laughs> feathers could just arise by time and chance. They are marvels, masterpieces, miraculous examples of creation. Another essential element to bird flight is the air-filled bags that lie between the bird's organs. The bird's air sacs are connected to its lungs, and during flight, air flows through them. This arrangement rapidly feeds the bird's body tissues with life-supporting oxygen while keeping it light in the air. All birds are amazing. You know, they have a, a, a system of breathing that's not found in any other creature. The bird lung uh, is a special double-tide system where you can oxygenate air, both inhaling and exhaling. 
unlike our lungs or the lungs of any other creature, the bird lung has back doors. And it turns out that this is important. Birds do not change the shape of their chest cavity when they breathe. You know, if you saw a bird just land from a thousand mile migration, just, just landed, would you see the chest heave as he breathed? They are stone still, no matter how hard they've been flying, you think, how do they breathe? Turns out that the air is moved through the bird much like a bellows for a fire. These airbags between the muscles, and as the bird flies, as it walks, it's, it's moving the air. Such wonderful creatures God made in birds. All of these engineering marvels combine for efficient flight and show perfect foresight in the creation of birds. One of the uh, marvels of birds is their ability to migrate long distances. The Arctic Tern makes it all the way from areas near the North Pole all the way down to the South Pole and back uh, every year. Now, now people can do that in, in an airplane, but you've perhaps looked into the cockpit of an airplane, all those switches and dials and levers and controls, and then you have to have ground control to tell the pilot where he's going, and all of that is packed into one teeny part of a bird's brain. Next time somebody calls you a bird brain, say why, thank you. The Lord has equipped each bird uniquely for his role in life. In the service of man, each species of bird has a special area of patrol. Many help by controlling insects. Others remove the carcasses. The finch family is a great weed seed destroyer. The owl and the hawk keep the rodents in check. The sandpiper combs the beaches. The water bird maintains the proper balance in fish population. The heron in frog and snake control. With graceful proportions, amazing aerodynamic abilities, and practical functions, each bird is a testimony to God's wisdom and love. While God provides marvelously for birds, remember that Jesus assures us that we are of more value than many sparrows. The hummingbird is a marvel of agility and grace. The smallest birds, they take their name from the humming sound made by their rapid wing beats. Darting from flower to flower, the hummer poises in midair. He has come to sip sweet nectar. The hummingbird has been wonderfully designed to do this. God gave it a small body to move with ease about the flowers, a long, needle-like bill to probe deeply into the flower cup, and a specialized tongue ideal for extracting nectar. God also gave it remarkably strong wings and a sturdy breastbone, which enabled the bird to stop in midair and even fly backwards and sideways with ease. Of course, all the hummingbird's features, long bill, special tongue, unique rapid wing beat, 
would have to work together from the beginning in order for it to be able to gather its energy food and thereby survive. Though the wings of most birds bend at the shoulder, elbow, and wrist, the hummingbird chiefly uses the shoulder. Like a helicopter, it can rise directly upward. The creator's design, however, makes it possible to swivel in all directions, is much more efficient, and far more agile than any man-made flying machine. The Hummer's capabilities are phenomenal. When hovering, his wings beat 50 times a second. When speeding straight away, up to 80 times. Its heart beats 21 times in the same second. These tiny little birds have a metabolic rate that just is almost unimaginable. Their heartbeat is so fast it gets into the range of audible sound. Uh, you think of these little hummers that fly, they, they migrate over hundreds of miles. The reserve of food to make this trip, uh, an error of uh, hundreds of a gram <laughs> in nutrients could mean not making the trip. Uh, birds alone would be absolute compelling evidence for a marvelous creator. The hummingbird's nest is a masterpiece of art. The female is the artist. She uses fern fuzz, dandelion seed down, and other plant felts. The exterior is adorned with lichens and fastened with spider webbing. The interior is lined with the softest down available. No one teaches her the art of nest building. It is a God-given ability. The male hummingbird's coloring has no rival in the bird kingdom. The magnificent hummingbird, the broad-tailed, the blue-throated, and Costa's hummingbird are among the more than 300 stunning species. The iridescent colors of the throat and crown are due to refraction and not pigments. Often, these areas appear dark, almost black. But from the proper angle, the iridescent colors seem to glow from within. Every aspect of these remarkable birds testifies to the Creator's gracious provision. Would we say that the hummingbird has been especially favored by the all-loving Creator? No, this genuine love is extended upon every creature. If we carefully study any creature, the Lord's glory will always beam forth.
An estimated 18,000 butterfly species adorn our planet. The beautiful coloration of butterfly wings is created by millions of minute scales. These precision scales function as biophotonic crystals, reflecting specific wavelengths of light to produce these brilliant colors. The extraordinary patterns and pleasing colors reveal a wise and caring designer. One of the amazing things I find about the butterfly is its beautiful iridescence. Take, for example, the morpho butterfly. Morpho butterflies have a beautiful blue-type iridescence. But then when biologists many decades ago began to look at the scales of the butterfly, they didn't find any pigmentation cells. They found instead biophotonic structures. They found structures that are designed by the creator to absorb certain wavelengths of white light and reflect back to the viewer only that wavelength of light within the spectrum of a bluish purple color. We have found that using electron microscope, there are structures there that can have no more variation than 0.00004 millimeters, a wonderful testament to God's design. All butterflies undergo an amazing transformation during their life cycle. The insect begins as an egg, then a crawling caterpillar, followed by the pupa stage. During this stage, the caterpillar begins to convulse in rhythmic jerks, breaking off its outer skin. Its legs and head capsule are quickly shed, giving rise to a chrysalis. Then, within the first day, the caterpillar's organs disintegrate into a soupy liquid. Miraculously, after one to two weeks, a complex winged butterfly emerges. This metamorphosis takes place in a matter of days, not millions of years. The adult butterfly now has six segmented legs, antennae, a specialized feeding tube, two amazing compound eyes, complex reproductive organs, and four ornate wings. The caterpillar had none of these features. Clearly, the genetic instructions for all these stages were programmed into the insect by the creator from the beginning. When a butterfly changes from a caterpillar to a chrysalis to a butterfly, there are two completely different designs here. One design is for the caterpillar, that's the initial stage, and all that does is creep around on the backside of a leaf and it munches and eats all day, increases its size about 250 times, that's all it does. But then it goes into the chrysalid, it turns into liquid, and then it comes out with a totally different design. What was the butterfly designed to do? Well, that was designed to fly, of course, where the caterpillar wasn't. It was designed to uh, drink the nectar from the flowers, but at the same time fertilize the flowers. It was designed to mate, and it was designed to be able to migrate from one country to the other, several thousand miles in some cases. So it's designed for specific things. The caterpillar has one thing to do, to grow, eat and grow. And the butterfly has several things to do, eat, grow, fertilize and mate.
Thousands of years ago, Scripture declared what was common knowledge to everyone. For example, in the book of Job, chapter 12, we read, But now ask the beasts, and they will teach you, and the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, and the fish of the sea will explain to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? If we examine the evidence that we see, the various things that have been created, it is very clear from the scriptures that the evidence points to the reality that there is a creator who has made all things. Our great creator has provided us with countless examples of his infinite wisdom. The functionality and ingenuity of God's creatures surpass our understanding and our cause for unending thanksgiving and worship. So did you find it interesting? A hummingbird's heart beats how many times a second? Anybody remember what that was? Mr. Corey. That, in a second. I mean, that is just almost incomprehensible. That the feathers weigh more than its entire uh, skeleton does. Uh, there were just several things over there. I've watched this I don't know how many times. And I'm a bird watcher. I like butterflies. This is, the, uh, this is the beginning of the end of the butterfly season. One of the things that I always remembered about September going back to school was there was always an abundance of butterflies. And well, we had morning glories at our house when I was growing up. And so I could vividly flash back to just, you know, being somewhere between 8th and ninth grade and coming outside in the morning and seeing the morning glories still blooming and the butterflies still flying around. I, I love watching birds. But I learned a lot of stuff that I never even thought about. When, when God, when it talks about that God created the fowls of the air. Okay, he created birds. Oh, okay, gotcha. But in there it explains that each type of bird has its own quote-unquote responsibility. Some of them eat seeds and spread the seeds. Some of them eat the... Uh, uh, the, the carcasses of, of uh, dead animals. Some of them do the, the, the snakes and the frogs. I mean, I just, I never thought about that. I never thought about, okay, I knew that the wings were, were different in that they're shaped different, but that each individual feather has its own muscle and nerve to it, and they're all interconnected. Anyway, the, the fascination of God's creation. I, it, it just causes me to, to take time to, uh, to contemplate the goodness of God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3 says, and God, blessed, uh, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So when we read about how he created this on one particular day, uh, the, the, the thing, the section that they've got on the fish is also fascinating that depending upon how things go the next couple Sunday nights, we will probably take and look at a couple more of these other things that I find very interesting that, that, uh, that they didn't just, there's no way that they could just evolve. 
you know, which is brought up very, uh, very well, just, just with the butterfly. And yet the foolishness that's taught in schools, the foolishness that so many of us grew up with when we went to school, uh, the, the lack of thinking on people's parts to say, I really don't know how you come to that conclusion. But they want to deny the power of God. Uh, it causes them to, uh, to be responsible to somebody. So I hope that you found that, uh, hope that, you found that interesting. Uh, one of the things that is brought out several times, if you watch the whole thing, the, the, the entire uh, DVD is, is just short of an hour and a half. Uh, but it, what's brought out in it is even as God creates these different things that he created us and uh, he loves us and we have a responsibility to come to him. Uh, it, it, this DVD has been used not by me, but by some of the people that uh, go to church with us as kind of an evangelistic tool also, something to be able to show to the grandchildren, but also to give to somebody that's interested in because they bring out salvation and the importance of, of trusting Christ because we are so valuable to him. Uh, I think that because of the, of the time that it is, we're not going to sing a song or play the piano or whatever. We'll just close in prayer. Uh, hope to see, oh, uh, heads up. This is a heads up. This morning I did, a, uh, I did the thing about Bible reading. So I probably will not be asking for testimonies of blessings or anything like that, but I am going to be asking, what did you get out of your Bible reading this week? So be ready for that. The reason I give you a heads up is because Pastor B used to pull this on. He still does everyone. Pull it on. He will do this, and you sit there and say, Boy, I, man, I know that I had something good on Thursday, but what was it? So this will give you a chance as you're reading through your Bible this week to say, ah, oh, that, that spoke to my heart, or that was interesting, to, to write it down. So when I say, who got something out of your Bible reading, you'll be able to look at a note or something and say, I've got something. So read your Bible paying attention and think about as you're reading, like I had never really considered, and God created, God said, God spoke, and God blessed. Thank you, Father, for this time we've been able to meet together. Lord, we do ask you to guide our thoughts, our steps, our direction. The Lord, do you give us wisdom for the day, wisdom for the people that we will come in contact with. And Lord, again, we, uh, we pray for Rob and the family. And uh, Lord, we ask that you give grace, mercy, and strength during this time. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You are to